0: or DM us on Instagram, and we will post and
1: read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Tonight is not only about celebrating the people in front of
2: the camera. It's also about recognizing the artists who design the beautiful worlds our characters inhabit.
1: Let's take a look at the incredible work they do creating the overall appearance of their films. Here are tonight's nominees for achievement in production design. Black Panther, production designed by Hannah Beekler and set decoration by Jay Hart. And the Oscar goes to
2: Hannah Beekler, production design, Jay Hart, set decoration for Black Panther. This is the first Oscar nomination for Hannah
3: Beekler. She is the first African American to be nominated in this hey, category. Hey,
1: Dolora. Hey, Ashley. How you doing? I'm good, girl. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Well, girl, I am beyond thrilled to introduce our latest in-conversation interview. Girl, it's epic. (laughs) And it's so timely as we wrap up Black History Month and kick off Women's History Month today with a chat with Academy Award-winning production designer, Hannah Beekler.
0: My mind is blown. We talked to a person who actually owns
2: An Oscar.
1: Exactly. Hannah made history in 2019 when she became the first African American to be nominated as well as win the Oscar for Best Production Design for Black Freaking Panther. And
0: get this she's worked on projects like Moonlight, Lemonade, On the Run, too. Like her resume, Black is King. I mean, her resume is just phenomenal phenomenal yeah. I'll she also is add an
1: immense talent I'll also add Creed to that I mean she has yeah. done so many well-known films and projects Frugal station for sure yeah that was her first I believe with Ryan Coogler so mm-hmm. guys we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did so let's listen in hi Hannah how are you
3: Fine. Thank you for having me. How are you all (laughs) today? Hi.
1: We are so, so excited to have you today to continue our In Conversation series we've been getting into with different industry insiders, as Delora always puts it. Oh, yes. Yes. Obviously. We cannot wait to delve into this with you, Hannah, because as we know, you have worked on some major projects such as Black Panther and Lemonade and Mm -hmm. Moonlight, just to list a few. So we'll start the combo off as we do with each of our guests, and that's just walking us and our listeners through the highlights of your journey thus far from growing up in Centerville, Ohio, to making history as the first African-American to be nominated and win. The Academy Award for Best Production Design for Black Panther, amazing!
3: <laughs> wow, it always kind of blows me away to hear it, right?
2: Yeah.
3: Um, highlights. I mean, there's been many highlights. One, I think the biggest highlight is meeting Ryan Coogler, um, who I've yes. worked with and known for ten years. Um, now it's been 10 years. It's crazy to think that's how long ago Fruitvale Station was. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a big highlight is working with Beyonce more than once, three times, mm. um, you know, yes. and to have um, Park, you know, be a part of my family and um, create a family. Well, the Academy Award, that's a pretty big highlight. <laughs> you
2: know, that, say that so. Yeah.
3: That, that nomination, um, that day. And uh, that night, certainly any of the other accolades that uh, my colleagues and peers have, you know, bestowed on me and I accepted very humbly um, and getting to meet some of my favorites, you know, some of my mentor, you know, meeting my mentors and and meeting the giants in the industry and moving in those rooms is, you know, it's wild and And then just um, looking back at my career and knowing that I was able to um, move through the industry, like I did it, you know, I, I, as scary as it all seemed in the beginning, I did it. So that's always a highlight to think about.
1: Absolutely. You talk about you know, the folks you've been able to be in the room with. I mean, you're naming the biggest of the big hand. I even heard you on a previous podcast talk about Glenn Close and Lady Gaga and all these (laughs) folks that you got to encounter. Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) And I freaking adore Jeff Goldblum. Has it gotten easier for you when you're in those rooms to kind of feel like you know mama I made it or is it still just that oh my gosh eyes wide still can't believe that I'm here
3: feeling for you Uh, it's eyes wide you know I'm still very much an Ohio girl you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) me too girl
3: me too I take
2: my son with me
3: pretty much to you know I have to drag him nowadays he doesn't you know, I have another event, but, um, you know, take him with him, you'll run around and be like, oh my gosh, look who's over there. And oh my gosh. And just me wanting to tell the the people who had such an influence, how I feel. Like you don't really get that opportunity to say those words to the people who moved you, um, who, uh, you know, helped stoke the fire, uh, the drive that you have to tell them, like, you did this for me. Um, and thank you. Um, what you did is important. And so that's always been, you know, so, you know, I remember telling Beyonce we were working on Black as King and I, you know, finished up the sort of whirlwind uh, stuff that I was doing in LA with her. And I was running out because I was doing something else. I can't remember what it was at this point. She had, she was so lovely. And she had sent me a lovely note and, and, and orchids when I, I was nominated. And I said to her, I said, had I had someone to look at like you when I was five,
1: Mm.
3: when I was 10. Absolutely.
1: and Hannah, now you are that example for the folks who want to follow along in those footsteps. And listen, anytime your son doesn't want to get dragged to anything, you call me or Delora. We will be more
3: than happy. It's good to know that I always have a date to these things. You know, because I, I don't want to go by myself. And oh. my, my son, my son now is over dressing up. You know, he doesn't stand there and he doesn't care anymore. So it's like y'all might get a call. Like, look. <laughs> any
1: time sorry friends and family but I'm dropping everything I have going on if I get that call from Hannah I'm just saying
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know so it's a lot of that is really awesome to to, I'm so I'm still in awe you know I think it's different like when I'm in a room with like stars it's very I'm very starstruck you know and I don't really hide it and so we love love that that. (laughs) and then I think when I'm in a room with the business side of the industry, I'm business. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm not too starstruck in that sense. I need to make sure that I'm dotting the I's and crossing the T's and closing the deals. And you've definitely proved that (laughs) with your
0: resume for sure. Yes, your talent is so, so immense, like, oh my gosh. So you mentioned being an Ohio girl. I'm currently in Ohio and Ashley, (laughs) born and raised in Ohio. absolutely. Um, What was it like growing up with such creative parents, your, your dad's an architect, your mom's an interior designer, and in what ways did they cultivate your creativity?
3: You know, we were, we were so isolated. So we were out in like Washington Township, like in the seventies before it was developed so it was like my dad, you know, designed and built this like super contemporary modern house and just like plopped it in the middle of the woods. And so it was just like us, my brothers and sisters and my mom and dad. And they kind of created this world. Like they built a world, you know, and it was I, I look back at it and it was so it's, its surreal in a way that 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 happened, that they were able to do that. And so you're so enveloped in it that it just becomes a part of who you are. And my dad was very, you know, vocal about what he did and explaining it to us and letting us help him with things and hands-on and being in his office. And my mom would have these art openings in the bottom field with, you know, Bing uh, Davis out of Dayton, Ohio, who's a big artist in Dayton and, wow. the 90s and the, you know, the people walking amongst the artwork and my aunt was an artist. And so it was just there, you know what I mean? It was just like yes. my mom would have these elaborate parties all the time. I mean, elaborate parties. So there was always world building and, you know, in the morning time she'd tell us all to get out of the house and you know like lord of the flies we would run into the woods and <laughs> you know my brothers would you know chase us with the you know, motorbikes and bb guns and we would build our little forts and whatnot and then she'd ring a bell and we'd come out you know and eat and then go back in so they very much knew we rode horses it was like at five years old it was like get on the horse go to the candy store Get your Dolly Ranchers, ride the horse back.
1: Wow. And, I love it.
3: Uh, I kind of grew up in this weird world that my mom, really, my mom created because she was a stay at home mom, you know, for the first maybe probably 10 years of my life. So it was like this, it almost is like I tell people and they're like, mm-hmm, right. And it's like, no, really. <laughs> we ate off the land for like six years. There was no, you know my mom had a just tremendous garden she would make salads with like tiger lilies and candy out of wild roses and I love it wow so you know what I mean like yeah this was gonna happen one of us was gonna like take it in out of the six brothers and sisters
0: oh it's like oh, wow uh-huh. Uh-huh. where are and
3: you I'm curious are you I'm in middle of course middle I'm the loudest really? the- <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that I'm the bad one. And I, it kind of went into me and my dad kind of focused. I think he saw like, okay, she's the one that's going to kind of like kind of tend towards the creative a little bit more. So he would take me around his work and his job sites and I helped him. He would, you know, like come out and help me build stuff and, you know, teach me about tools and, and stuff like that. So you know, it was kind of there. And I kind of rejected it when I got older. I was like, oh no, I don't want to be, I'm a city girl. You know, I'm going to go and be shopping <laughs> and all those things and I'll never, you know, building things. is so, ew. and, but as I got older, it just sort of kind of like, you know, full circle. It's like, I am my dad. And um, <laughs> which I often say was a workaholic. I'm definitely that, you know, I'm, I can see my parents in other ways. So the creative part was just going to be there. Like, my mom would change our house every season. You'd come home and it'd be like a whole different interior. Christmas was insane. So it's, it was always there. And I look back and it was like, that's awesome. You oh, know, For like, sure, it was unique and it was awesome. As much as I hated it at the time, you know, I was a kid. <laughs> you just have to rebel like, oh, I hate this. But um, I look back and I was very lucky. That's beautiful. I love that.
0: I'm a new parent. So thinking about how you have the control of creating an environment for your children, like that kind of stuck out to me. So that's, that's beautiful to hear. So often we hear people leaving the nest and they're moving to either New York, LA, now Atlanta to pursue a career in entertainment. What was it like starting your career in Louisiana?
3: Well, you know, at the time I had family in New- Louisiana, my brother and his family lived here for quite some time. The Tax incentive was booming in New Orleans at the time. So there were so many movies. My brother, you know, was always like, there's movies everywhere, you got to come to New Orleans. And I was like, the South, like, I got to go to LA. And he's like, you can afford it. And I was like, okay, the south sounds great. I couldn't afford New York or LA. I had a toddler and I was a single mom and I was just graduating from Wright State University and I needed the support of my family. So that was really the driving force of me going to Louisiana because I knew I had some support and foundation and base there to get started, Um, not just kind of be alone because that's scary and being all the way in LA so far from Ohio, it's like I had no support there and then New York same sort of same thing so I was lucky to kind of come in when the films were really picking up Mm -hmm. and that's that's how I got started I just sort of like went from production to production until someone finally hired me and and then that that end of that summer was Katrina and then I had come back to Shreveport Northern Um, Louisiana and started working there and eventually ended up back in New Orleans and kind of have been there ever since. And they still have films that come there. Their tax incentive went away, but is back now. You know, when it went away, Atlanta started booming and it built an infrastructure really quickly. So Atlanta is a great place. It's still affordable. It is kind of becoming a little more pricey um, Mm -hmm. as far as living, but it's still affordable when you think of it um, in comparison with the coasts. Mm. Um, and you're going to be able to find yourself working for something that's more independent um, or something that's very large. Mm.
1: What I love about that too, is it's so helpful to understand that there is still a pathway. Like if LA or New York is not your first step, there is still a pathway in other, some other major cities to consider. So definitely appreciate that knowledge drop. Yeah, Absolutely. absolutely.
0: So production designer, is not an occupation everyday people know or really understand, what do you do
3: and what sparked your interest in the film? Well, you know, sometimes I describe it as like an architect, right? I'm an architect of the film and I'm designing, you know, the world that that is in the film that the, the characters sort of live their lives in front of. You know, the other th- way to describe it is if you look at um, a still of a movie, your favorite movie, and you were to take out the actors, everything that you see without them is what I do. Wow. For the whole film. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's a way to describe like, what what am I doing that you see? Yes. And that's, that's what I'm doing.
0: You've created some gorgeous, gorgeous worlds. <laughs>
3: I'm thinking like <laughs> Panther. I mean, all of Black Panther, all of, like,
0: Lemonade. What sparked your interest?
3: I've always loved film, you know, and I I mean, I would sit in front of the TV and just watch, you know, back, well, way back when I was watching, you know, Fred Astaire and all of these old movies that were on because you only had three channels. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't have a lot of options. So whatever was on, you're staring at. And I would let myself get lost in those things. Again, you know that was already something that was happening in my my world of world building and what I learned as I got older and went into film school is that I sort of um, related to film in so much as the environments that I was seeing on the in the film like that's sort of where I was finding the emotion also in the acting and the characters and and whatnot but I really was like entranced by like where they were and like how did they do certain things and and, you know, Star Wars, like, oh, my gosh, they're in space. How do they do that? And, yes. that, you know, uh, some type of visual effects at the time, like, oh, my gosh. So that that was really like kind of took my breath away. And then I went into fashion design in college, um, sort of my answer to not doing what my dad did and um, but still being creative and very way. creative, Yes, <laughs> acceptable to my dad, like, oh, OK, so it's uh, we'll take fashion design. And then I kind of was like not fashion design. And I started getting into film with friends and, you know, making sort of like these underground movies and stuff like that. And I was always the person who kind of got the stuff, you know, like we're going to do this scene and it should have stuff in it. Like, you know, it's supposed to be a a motel room. So I would get this. And then, you know, as I got older and again, in film school, learned that the stuff again, was also the art department. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started. And that's how I kind of a friend of mine was like, I'm working on this short film and, I need help in the art department and that was when it was like yes that is my direction um is art department so
0: i have a quick follow-up to that so you work closely with the director and do you work closely with the costume designers like for example speaking of black panther did you work closely with uh ruth carter
3: oh my goodness yes you know as a designer i'm working really closely with the, the cinematographer um on this one Autumn Dural and Ryan and then of course Miss Ruth Carter y'all you heard me Ruth Carter (laughs) (laughs) I get see Ruth all the time icon icon so that's awesome you know Ruth is like amazing and I love going into her area I mean she has a whole building to herself with like every floor has clothes on you know like just it's like a factory of things just happening constantly and we're working together on colors we're working together Mm. on tone and texture. What is she going to bring to it? How are the sets and the costumes and the cinematography working together? Or how are they working against each other to create whatever psychology is necessary for the scene? So we're always, you know, in conversation and meetings, you know, I'm looking at her stuff. She's looking at my stuff. I'm sending her images. So, yeah, we work really uh, closely together and I think that it it shows and and that's the same on any film. I actually have a follow up question, too.
1: As we're getting closer to the Oscars, obviously, Best Production Design is up again this year. Did you mm-hmm. have any projects this year that was like, oh, that was a standout favorite for me within your field?
3: Uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, Macbeth. Okay. Stefan's song, Production Design. Um, And then Joel Cohen directing. Um, Absolutely stunning. And I love it. And it's in black and white too, right? (laughs) It's black and white. And it reminds me of a French film called Last Year in and Bad, which is, you know, very almost theatrical um, in the way, in the tone um, that it is. Everything's very exaggerated. Another one that kind of tips into the essence of Dr. Caligari's cabinet Um, A German expressionist film from the twenties, I believe. If I remember, my film history teacher is probably rolling over, like, "Oh my god, that's so wrong, Anna!" It's like I know I remember, I swear. (laughs) But it just—it's just art, right? Mm -hmm. It's something you don't often see in film. It's—it's not realism. And it's not fantasy, you know, it lives somewhere in the middle of that. So I really appreciated that. But of course, you have your beautiful films like Dune and, and Nightmare Alley. And, you know, every one of them is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, the standout is The Tragedy of Macbeth. And then Denzel, you know, gives this beautiful performance, which is Breathe Life. And of course, Francis McDormand, that breathes Life yes. is through the sets themselves and, and make them... Um, the art pieces that they are. So I'm rooting for that. And the art director from that is working on Black Panther, too. So he worked on the first one, too. So it's like, you well, know, there you go.
2: Family.
3: <laughs> the other Oscar nominees don't look up. Um, the supervising art director worked on that. And he also worked on Dune. So we've got some some people in the office that are are, you know, got their fingers crossed and, and I'm and I'm there uh, behind them, hoping that they they walk away with a statue. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So what's the process like for you when you're beginning a new production?
3: You know, it's it's at, my process is the same pretty much for every film, not dependent on size, whether it's small or big. And it always starts with a script and a conversation with the director. And then I put together like a deck, which is, you know, many pages of like a mood board, if you will of referential images as I'm reading the script, like what am I seeing? Colors, textures, place, city. Um, If it's a period piece, you know, pulling images from that period that I think fit the tone of the film. So I build this together and then I go through it with the director and we talk about like, yeah, like that or that lighting or that. Colorway or or whatever we're kind of looking at, and then I start building my team. I like to work with the same people over and over if they're available, mm-hmm. and um, and then I work with a location scout. Depending on if it's something like Panther where we're doing a lot of building and it's a lot of world building, then I'm working with illustrators right away, and we're starting okay. to do concepting and research and development. And I'm doing a lot of research and building like the Wakandan Bible and 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 whatnot. And so what well, kind if, of Bible? Yeah. And if it's something like No Sudden Move, I did the Soderbergh film last year or mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it was a year ago and or two years ago now. And um, that was all on location in Detroit. And so we start looking for locations and how are we going to um, retrofit these locations? And that was also a period piece. So it was like, how are we going to bring Detroit back to? Uh, 1955 which was a ton of fun and Soderbergh is an awesome guy so it was mm-hmm. a, great, a great pleasure to work on on that film so that's sort of the process and then you start building and you you know start doing the thing and then it becomes a lot about um, just you know budgets management making sure that you know your the sets are going up that they're working walking through the directors lots of meetings lots of conversations Um, On something like Panther, there's so many departments that as a department head for myself, I have to sort of touch every single department on a film. Um, If you want a production design, you will be involved with every single department on a film. That's good to know
1: in terms of the collaboration aspect of filmmaking.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, It's a lot to juggle. Um, and there's a lot that rides on art department because what we do affects everything. It affects stunts, it affects visual effects, It affects special effects. It affects um, whatever specialty units you might have. Um, so it's, you know, picture cars, uh, stunt cars, everything is, has to kind of be filtered through props, art through my department. So it's a big, it's a big undertaking, um, but it's, um, you know, (laughs) you love it. I love it. I do. And you're so good at it. (laughs) Clearly.
1: In a a 2019 LA Times article regarding your, again, historic Oscar nomination, you said, it's so weird to quote you to you, my thought is I have to harness this moment and turn it into more. I can't just let it slip away and become a big nothing after. What has that more looked like for you
3: since your win? For me, it's been the more has been... The ability to really give back to people who look like me, who struggle like me, who were single parents like me and still had to do the thing. And so, you know, it it allowed me to be able to start a scholarship fund and to start a foundation that will bring me to Midwest colleges to talk to students about the industry and how to get into the industry. Because when you're going to a UCLA or NYU, Forrest Whitaker could just pop in and let you pitch to him and then get you a movie. Or, you know, um, Steven Spielberg could just pop into UCLA. You know, that's not happening at Wright State. That's not happening at UC. That's not happening at University of Iowa. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, in Des Moines. And these are the places that I'm going And and a lot of these colleges can't afford to bring these people there because it's, you know, they want, you know, plane, hotel, and you got to pay them an honorarium, you got to get them back, cars, that adds up. So what Mm -hmm. my foundation is, is any request that comes in, we pay for that request for me to get there because at the end of the day, it's about the students. Mm -hmm. And what Panther did for me that more is, is that now I can get the work that I need to get to put the money where I need to put it. Right. Yes. So, and that goes beyond filmmaking. That's speaking to corporations about equity and equality within their own companies. Using my department and my business edicts about how to treat employees and how to have equity in the uh, office, in the meeting room, as much as you do creatively, and why it's important for Black people to tell their stories. And also, you know, why it's so important to not just have them tell their stories, but be the ones that are also looking after the stories when it comes to arts department, cinematography, costume design, because there's nuances Absolutely. within the culture that not everybody's going to understand. You know, I was offered a movie that was about an about Asian culture. And what I said to the producers was you need to find yourself an Asian production designer because they exist.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Absolutely. You're not going to pull in a a diversity hire and just, you know, say, well, there she is. And it's not the right hire, you know, and it's lazy because you already have my phone number. (laughs) You need to find a new phone number. And they did. Wow. Had I taken that job, that person would not have had that job. And that person would now not be looking at a career because it was a big job. Right. And, you know, getting the phone calls, getting the next job and being that example for that culture, Mm -hmm. that they can also do this, that there is a place at the table as well. That is the mindfulness That needs to be happening in Hollywood. And I think that's a lot of the argument that people are saying, like, well, these roles are meant for X, Y, and Z. Why can't you, you know, why can't a black person do this role?
2: Mm -hmm. Why
3: are you taking roles knowingly and then being surprised by backlash at the end of the day? So it's like you have to say no and you have to force the companies to do the work. You know, and my I always say if Beyonce can find 15 black synchronized swimmers. There we go. Y'all can find five art directors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That is really so true. This woman can find something that people don't even think exists, and it was no, and and there was no question that she was going to do that. Then I don't want to hear the excuse why you can't actually do the minimum. And as
1: we know, that's not everybody's mindset. So I think that that's incredible to. Think, be mindful, as you said, of trying to allow those opportunities to continue, um, given now the platform that you have, the success you have, and the voice you have. And I just want to go back to your statement about um, your foundation of scholarships. How do people find you or find that information to take advantage of the scholarship funds you've put into place?
3: Well, the one scholarship I have is for students at my alma mater and Wright State University. And they can go onto their web page and, and look at that. It's for film students who are commuters, who are parents, who you know, and that's what Wright State is. It's it's a commuter school, right? It, you it's for people who have jobs um, and are taking classes as well as working as well as parenting. So and and you have to do these film projects and that's expensive. So that's where my one scholarship is at. And then the other scholarship is through um, Neon Movies, which is for high school students who want to go into communications, media, or film. Oh, it's um, so through the Neon Theater? It's through the five, their 501 CK3, yes. Cool. Um, so Jonathan, I went to college with him at Wright State, who kind of runs the theater. And I think he owns the theater at this point. So it's like, you know- so That's a Dayton I staple hope, right there. That's right. And I hope to be doing more- um with that as much as I can do I don't have a website for Chinchilla Foundation um at this moment about that you know people can go through my agent to find me and that's how I usually get requests to come to certain college come to colleges to come to speak to come to do those events that's kind of how I work right now I'm a one-woman show so I'm doing I'm doing what I can you know and a lot of my goals are to be able to work with bigger companies Um, to do things like start a, you know, when I was up in Detroit, started working with the people that work with the Black Bottom Archival Foundation. We kind of lost our way after COVID started and wanted to do a living museum there that connects all of these places that sort of were disrupted and destroyed as they were thriving. And that kind of takes me to the Metropolitan Museum Um, exhibit, uh, the Seneca Village exhibit there, which will be up for three years before yesterday they could fly. So I do have that exhibit up as part of this sort of wanting to connect um, these communities. So that's one thing you can check out, which is really exciting. And it opened November 5th. It'll be open for three years. And it includes sort of artists throughout the diaspora through europe through the continent of africa through america and uh so yeah you can go on the met website and look at that as well so that's also working with their education um department sue haley who is hoping to bring that in um, and and work with students to sort of curate in their own way that exhibit
1: that's an awesome opportunity Sounds like a field trip, Ashley. Exactly.
3: Definitely, <laughs> you have to see it. It's the first time in the history of the Met that a black person actually curated in that wing. Really? So, wow! Wow! wow. They don't have any exhibit? <laughs> um, you know, they have Wingichi Mutu has had a, a lot of exhibits. The Met has, as one of the biggest art institutions in the world, has had a sorted past, and that was what that was about. Was sort of forcing them to look at like the discrepancy and inequity of artists um i'd say all over the world but african-american artists for 150 years and a lot of what seneca village is is it Mm -hmm. was it was a community destroyed so they could put central park there and the met is actually like 10 minutes away so it's like a little bit of their institution has to do with the destruction of a community and i Mm -hmm. think this is the beginning of sort of making amends for that. And that's mm. another, I'm proud to have brought that design and worked with these artists that are absolutely fantastic from all over the world. And not only did their artwork come in for the, for the exhibit, the Met, part of the deal was the Met acquires their artwork for their collection, mm. which will be another first. We're but just making
1: yeah. history left and right, aren't we Hannah?
3: That is another history-making moment, I I would say. I'm hoping to extend the scholarships in New Orleans, but, you know, my hometown kind of is where I, my focus is for a lot of stuff.
1: Well, as a Daytonian born and raised, I appreciate you and a Wright State Raider. So thank you so much. Right, you know,
3: go Wright State. Yes. You know, you got Julia Reichert and Steve Bogner, who are also Academy Award winners and professors. Well, Julie is retired, but Steve is still a professor at Wright State. They have their own um, sort of Hall of Fame there.
0: So with your resume of projects from Black Panther to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Moonlight, which was just the, the stillness and the beauty in that film, just amazing. Lemonade and Black is King. Did you know these projects would be placed in the African-American
3: cultural canon?
0: Like, how does it feel to know that your work has made such cultural impact?
3: I mean, no, nobody knows. You know what I mean? You're working on something. You're kind of like in this tunnel and mostly you're just praying to get through it. (laughs) You know, like, are we going to make it? Are we going to finish? Because it's always really hard. It's a really hard industry. It's hard to make a movie and it takes a lot out of you. So you kind of just want to get through it. You hope you're doing the right thing. You hope people will respond, whether they love it or hate it. You hate for anybody to be indifferent to it. Um,
1: That's interesting, Hannah.
3: Yeah, I think I've always thought that. It's like, you know, hate it, love it. Don't, not, nothing about it, you know? (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, hate is an emotion there you go if you have an emotion then I would have done my job mm. I didn't say that you had to love it you know
0: but just, that's art right art is like you want to evoke some some emotion right
3: there's plenty of things I hate that's art you know <laughs> 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 and, and it's like well it did something to me and you know and it's it's rent-free in my head I'm thinking about it very they, true they, they, Job, I'm thinking about
1: it. It's just basically for all this blood, sweat, and tears we put into this, we better have did something that was gonna last, leave a lasting impression. Mm -hmm. Essentially, yeah. Yeah.
3: And it's funny because people don't really give that emotion credence. I think, well, if you hate it, then it was no good. And it's like, yeah, but you're still talking about it. (laughs) You still hating on it. You still want it to go away more than the people who love her Like I love it, and then move on. Mm -hmm. You know, you're still out here typing on it.
0: but Beautiful. these projects, I mean,
3: it's all watch over it. right? I watched Creed three times the other day. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What's Creed. It? And, exactly. I gasped. I gasped Creed three times. It's really the only one I can watch. But yeah, you don't ever know. You know, working on The Last Panther, it was just like, oh, Lord, I hope I don't get dragged on Twitter. I think I said that three or four times. I was like, black <laughs> Twitter don't come for me. Um, I did my best. My best is good enough. And um, Girl, so,
1: I went and saw that in a theater with we rented out a theater oh, yeah. all black people just to see Black Panther. Okay, that's what that movie did. Well, it's so
0: funny. I I gave birth. <laughs> okay, I <And, laughs> really, no, I gave birth. I at on February second, and I was like Black Panther comes out. I think that weekend or weekend after, I limped my way. To see Black Panther, I am not. I'm so glad I could tell this somebody the story that understands. Like, because I'm gonna tell
3: Ryan about it too. So look,
0: I'm gonna tell. My my blood pressure was through the roof, but I didn't care. I was like, I cannot.
1: Now Hannah, guys, Hannah is laughing because this is how hard Delora really. This is a true life story, guys. This is true life. I remember I
0: was like, okay, so baby girl, if I could get her, you know, if I could pump some bottles. You know, my husband drove me. I was like, "You okay with the newborn? Okay, this job and everything." <laughs> <laughs> Made my way to see Black Panther because I could not wait. I could not wait. What kind of forever? What kind of forever? And it was worth it. It was so worth it. It so, was. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, it was not. It was. It was like the hype and the excitement,
3: but you all delivered. Okay, tenfold delivered. Yeah, so that, that makes, you know, it's it's it, so yeah. You don't ever expect it. We were all blown away by like the response. Brian and I, I remember one time we were just like, oh man, they told us like, okay, you got to make X amount of dollars for this thing to be a success. And I had never heard that amount of dollars. And we went in his office and he was like, I don't know, we're going to, nobody's coming to see this movie, Hannah. I said, I don't know. I don't know you after this. I was like, you know, that's a lot of money and I don't know that it's that good of a movie. Little did y'all
0: no y'all are the only marvel movie that has been nominated for best picture they tried to do it for spider-man no way home no success not to say it you know but black panther has done it okay (laughs)
3: like and blessed and grateful for all of that i mean i think more than anything it was just for me it wasn't even the movie it was the response to the movie it was seeing people's faces and excitement and the videos every day and the that was what, I mean, that, that was everything to me. That meant everything to me. That mean that, that, that's what made me go harder on this new one and, and push harder and, and fight harder for the things I think are right. And, and just two years of just, we got to show up. We got to show up because we can't go backwards. We can't disappoint anybody. We can't bring down our community. We can't, you know, we got Chadwick looking down on us. You know, we got to do right by him. We got to do right by our people. And so you just go as hard as you can. And You're kind of a shell at the all at the end of it. You know, I'm, I'm already a shell. I'm just working on adrenaline at this point um, to make it to the end. Because there's a like <laughs> I see it. It's like eight weeks away. We laid everything out. Every last drop of blood is out there. So that's really what you what we do you know and it's hard so I that's all I can hope for is that people look at it and say like okay all right they went hard they did their thing um we're okay we're good we're lifted we're not brought down this isn't yeah like trauma it's right it's you know, like excellence it's I'm black tired. excellence it's, it's-, it's teaching our kids joy yes. first yes. you're gonna yes. learn all the other bullshit you will learn it you have time to learn it but we celebrate today can mm-hmm. you learn this first? Can you be pride, have pride about this first? Can you be proud of this first? And then, once you have that foundation that's unbreakable and unmovable, you're gonna learn about the rest of it. Oh, and then you it giving me chills. It can't shake you the way it shook me. It can't tear you back down the way it did me. Right? That has to end. We may never be able to end all the bullshit, but what we can end is how our kids are traumatized by it Mm. and how then they live the rest of their lives because of it. Mm. So if I do not do that with the ancestors watching me and I lay my head down and die, then I would not have done my job. That's why I do this work because it is the most powerful medium out there. And so you must know that there are people dedicated in this field of glamour and beauty that are fighting behind the scenes to make sure that you are seen and that your tears and the way you walk through this world is seen you know i do i laugh and i dance and i do all this stuff but at the core of my being that is why i do this work
1: (laughs) Now, a lot of people have gotten me on the brink of tears, but you did it. You, you have gotten me. Oh, my goodness. I, I know I can't speak for all of Black America, but I can sp- speak for myself. We we feel it and we appreciate it so much.
2: This Thank project you. meant
1: so much. And Thank so many you. of your projects, all of them, actually, all of them. <laughs> have meant so much <laughs> to us. So just know that we feel it and we see it and we appreciate it so much, especially those of us who are obsessed. With these types of things and this line of work, such as me and Delora. Yes. <laughs> but you kind of moved me on to my next question, which was, again, we've talked about you working with the elite in Hollywood, including the Beyonce. Okay. And the yeah. late, great Chadwick Boseman. But is there a story or a memory of Chadwick that you'd like to share with us?
3: You know, Chadwick was always so intense on set, right? He was in character, all the time. So whenever you talked to Chadwick, he had the accent. He was Black Panther. He was T'Challa. But he was always lifting everybody up on set. Again, it wasn't an easy film, and it all trickles down, right? So whatever the people at the top bring is what emanates across the set. And I always mm. remember Chadwick like singing and dancing, and the first time I met him with it, just this big smile, and you know, brought me in and gave me a hug. And he, every time I saw him, and I was with my son, he would be Dominic. You know, he always remembered my son. He was just that person. And he was so spiritual um, as well. And that emanated. So it was always a smile and a warm hug from Chadwick. Um, And that's as much as I knew him, you know, working with him and being around him at events and stuff. It was always just the acknowledgement that I know you, you know, and hey, how you doing and how's your son? And, And those are the little things I think that people like Chadwick who have so much on their plate and have so many expectations you know that those are the things that they do that you know like okay this is someone who's special so and who who brought that character to so many young people um, in such a dynamic and beautiful way and so to have that gone had you know that was like how do we do this and of course it it would take Ryan Coogler to do it right
1: And speaking of Ryan. Phenomenal, phenomenal director. Absolutely. Is there anything, I know Marvel and all these projects are notoriously tight lit, but is there anything you can share with us regarding the Black
3: Panther sequel? Well, the only thing I can say, because I know they got cameras somewhere. (laughs) Right. And Ryan don't tell me much because he's like, I know you have a big mouth, so he won't tell me stuff. I'm always like, who's the music person? And he's like, I'm telling you. And, um, and he's right not to, but what I can't say is that I can honestly say that no one is expecting what is coming. Mm. Like not even me. Mm. I was, I've been like, what every day. I just look at Ryan. Like, I just don't know how, I don't know what we must've all been in a trance. Like, I don't know what the people are going to (laughs) know. That's the reaction you're getting from me. Wow! I, so it is something. So it Hannah, is, what you're
1: saying is like Killmonger it. is coming back. He's not I'm dead. Not
3: saying <laughs> any words like that. I'm because <laughs>
1: when I tell you that Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger had the best last line of any yep. villainous, uh, quote unquote, because I put that in quotes, villainous <laughs> character that has ever right. existed in my That's mind. It. I would be fascinated if somehow they got him back into the sequel.
3: I don't know, but he was one of the best villains yes you love him and hate him I mean you kind yeah. of love him more than you hate him but yeah you know, and then it's Michael B so you know he's got that kind of charm exactly exactly like charm, Was that right?
0: being a villain too like he's always it a is. hero
3: yes yeah,
0: yeah. but it
1: inspired is. many a Halloween costume um inspired many a woman to ask her man to start his lock journey I <laughs> mean they're just
3: <laughs> you aren't gonna get me either so I but that's no, I know. I think it's going to blow people away. I think no one is expecting anything that's coming. It's really the most unique thing. So I'm super excited for people. And again, you can only hope, like, again, I've been in this tunnel, right? So for me, it's like I can barely be objective at this point. I just hope people see everything that we put into it and all the love that we put into it and the hard 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 work i can't um, wait to see work. what
0: worlds you created like Absolutely. what new places we're going so
3: i can't wait to share it i really can't you know and so I'm, I'm 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 proud of it and i think it's a good place to sort of like now time for me to sort of adventure into other arenas for a while and then maybe come back to film again
0: okay well it's so funny that you say that because in one of your interviews with The Hollywood Reporter, you mentioned wanting to do a period piece. And, and you have done that, I guess, in, um, with your project, uh, the one you mentioned from the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, was, with, yes, it was sort of work. I find that fascinating considering you are the visionary of the Afrofuturism of the Black Panther Project. So what type of narrative would you like to lend your vision to? Because when I think period piece, I'm thinking Bridgerton, you know?
3: <laughs> the Gilded Age.
2: Really
3: right. The gilded you know? Age. I thought that was great. I loved how, I, I loved that world that they built for that. It was, it was very gilded and it was very sort of like fantastical and, and very a little Mary Poppins, but uh, I, I did like that world. What kind of world? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm always up for a challenge. I'm, I'm headed for the stage for Broadway. So that's Ooh. Ooh. with hometown favorite Shelly Williams. She's a stage director. She comes out of Dayton, you know, Muse Machine. And uh, she uh, directed Aida, the return of Aida. And so we're going to get together on a musical. Wow. um coming at the end of the year or de- uh, I guess December 2022. And sounds like we're making a trip. To New York. New York. (laughs) It's going to open in London and then go to West End and then go to New New York. Nice. Okay. I haven't been
1: to London yet either. So
3: I mean, I'm super excited. So I've only been there once. So I'm really excited to kind of dig in and, and get familiar with the theater world. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming up. And I do want to say this real quick. I will tell you this about Beyonce, because I always love to talk about her.
1: Please. We love to hear
3: it. She's <laughs> really fantastic. Such a supporter of women. And on Lemonade, you know, I kind of was sort of like, it was a whirlwind because it was so fast. And, you know, she kind of likes to work very organically. And, and you know, I, she has like a like a spark. And then it's like, you need to set the fire. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, it's fast and furious. And it's kind of nuts and crazy. And that's sort of her her style and the park style and you you get really great stuff from it. And so one night we're on Desterham plantation and that was a whole, you know, just being (sighs) hard anyways, but yes, we built this kind of paper stage and, and for all the reasons for that. And she got up there to do freedom it was late it was like 10 o'clock there's probably 50 people uh sitting there they were putting the playback music on and they were trying to put the playback music on and it wouldn't work and she was like okay you know people were tired time to go and um so she was like you know what don't worry about that we're just i'm gonna go ahead and sit and we'll do it that way oh so i <laughs> I, that's what I, I, I looked over at the uh decorator stand next to me i said she what she said what did she say
1: Chances. you about to give me a
3: religious experience. Keep, please. Right. I'm going to go ahead and sing acapella. And I was like, um, she's like, because it's late. We need to keep moving. And then we're all kind of like, okay. I was like, mm. I'm not looking around. Like, this is what's happening. Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> what did she say? And all of a sudden they're like, okay, rolling camera. You know, they, it's on this big crane and it's swooping down over the audience towards the stage. And she starts singing.
2: When I tell you
3: the ancestors came up out background. And they grabbed every single person up with their light from her voice and lifted us all straight up into the air. And we were floating over this place. My god, I had I couldn't, I can't even tell you what that was like. And her voice carried through this place, through the trees, through the wind. Probably my best memory. It was insane. Just her acapella, no microphone, no. Electronics, no backup music, just like the night uh, sky on that plantation and her voice. And it, for me, just destroyed that plantation, just leveled it, leveled anything it could ever take from any of us. as she's saying freedom. And so what a beautiful night that was. And her strength is so much more than anyone will ever know what I don't know about this woman you have no idea and I have so much respect for her um and her agency yes and fortitude absolutely um and her unrelentless business mind no matter what anybody says about her you know she's uh, the goat
1: She's is she, the, she is the goat. She's absolutely the greatest living entertainer of our generation for
3: me. Hands out. Without, without question, without question. Cause I've seen it right up close, her work ethic, but also watching her as a mother. So I got to work with her before that. I got to work with her after that to see her as a mother, you realize that she was always that so it it was she's such a loving person she knows what she wants and it was good to see because I'd always questioned myself advocating for myself mm. um, and then falling into the trope of the like black woman with an attitude or you're threatening because you're standing up but when I saw her do it with do that not, not even give a fuck about what anybody thought about it
1: <laughs> yes. okay
3: Yes. Right? Okay. You know, not at all. That did not sway her. That did not move her. She floated above that.
0: Mm. And
3: it's something I try to, 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 to learn every day. And, and so, and also her graciousness in the uh, face of chaos, mm. in the face of um, incompetence, to be clear, even around her and her graciousness is Is uh, beyond reproach in those situations, and you know, and I, and even with me, because lemonade wasn't easy, and I know I got like I'm out of here, you know, and and just graciousness. Uh, You, I've learned so much from her in the way of like conducting myself in business, advocating for myself, rising above the trope, the stereotype of being a black woman in business. Um, And saying what's what and being truthful and carrying your integrity and not letting people think like target you or break you down or make you think what you're doing isn't right or it is wrong because you conduct yourself a certain way um, because of what you look like, not holding any of that. So that I learned that from her because that's their problem at the end of the day, not yours. One hundred percent, you know, and that's hard to separate. Sometimes It is. It is. Well, because we're living in a world
1: that is not built for us. Right. So we're living at the mercy of their decisions, of their thoughts, of their opinions of us in terms of where we've been able to go
3: and what we've been able to do. That's right. And never getting the benefit of the doubt. That part.
1: And if we mention it, it, we're complaining or it's in our head.
3: We're sensitive, emotional overreacting. That's I've been told
1: word. I'm too passionate, <laughs> too oh, passionate.
3: <laughs> Dog whistle. I love that you're very passionate. You're too passionate. But you don't uh, give me the budget or the tools to do the job. That's right. <laughs> well, or well, the support staff to do any of it. But let me tell you though, when you win mm. right there.
1: You've said more than a word today, Hannah. You said more (laughs) than a word today. Okay, (laughs) you said more than you've been doing something to me. That's all I can say. And um, I I have one more question for you, which I'm I'm so sad because I feel like we could talk to you for the rest of the day. (laughs) But uh, you've given so many gems. You've given such great uh, wisdom and um, beautiful stories. What advice do you have for those that are hoping? to
3: follow this path? Be resourceful. Know that um, what you might think is silly in the way to get to the next step is not. So if you feel like, oh, if I reach out to this person on, on Twitter and DM them, they're never gonna get back to me or that's silly. Or if I mail them a letter that's stupid or silly, or if I call up these companies and ask a question that might seem silly, don't, it's not. I did all of those things. I hand wrote a letter to Nancy Hag, the legend, uh, the Cohen Brothers set decorator, when I was still at Wright State. Handwritten stamp into the USPS. I love this. Four so months much. later, I get a phone call on my very first Nokia brick. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes, it's clear. You know, so you know, can think of the year. Hold it up. You know, I'm talking too loud because I haven't had a cell phone for long. She called me. Wow. And I just was like, this person from Hollywood, I was, I'd never been outside of Dayton at that point. And she's, you know, been working with the Coen's for 20 some odd years by that point and got my letter and read it and read my phone number. And one day just picked up the phone and thought, I'm, I guess I have time. I'm going to call this person and told me about like, you need to get in the union. And then I said, oh, okay, let me write that down. I see. I don't know what that is, but I just now have the internet. So I'm going to look it up, be resourceful. Don't worry about what people think about you because they're either going to forget or not answer, or whatever, move on, you know, but they're not going to be like this crazy person. They're going to be like, Oh, this person's interested in what I do. Let me call them or let me do something, or I don't have time for it, but you got to take the chance.
1: Cause the worst they can say is no, or the
3: worst anybody can say is no. And I can promise you that word does not hurt. Because sometimes, no, it's God's way of saving you. <laughs> Directing there you to go. where you need to go. That That's is so right. true. Sometimes, no, is God's way of grace. Mm. You don't always need to be there, right? And he's saying like, okay, well, you're going to keep pursuing the thing that I'm going to keep telling you is not the right direction. So pivot. Be malleable. Adjust, right? Stand in your center. Be who you are and keep your integrity, because your reputation in the film industry, at the end of the day, it doesn't know how many how many millions of dollars you have. Your reputation is more golden than that. Mm. Keep it intact and people will remember you. They will never remember your first day. They will only ever remember your last. That's mm. it.
1: Hannah, it has been beyond a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for gracing us on recapping with Delora and Ashley. Guys, if you didn't pull some gems from this, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you guys. Keep it on a
0: rock. Thank you so much, Hannah. This is incredible. Incredible. Thank
3: you. Thank you so much.
1: We cannot wait for Black Panther too. That's all I have. That's all I have.
3: <laughs> Wakanda forever.
1: <laughs> Wakanda forever. Thank you, Hannah.
3: Thank you so much again for having me. I really appreciate being here be able to uh, speak with you ladies today. Thank you.
2: I stand here stronger than I was yesterday. I stand here with agency and self-worth because of Ryan Kugler, who <laughs> not only made me a better designer, a better storyteller, a better person, I stand here because of this man who offered me a different perspective of life, who offered me a safe space, Who's patient and gave me air, humanity, and brotherhood. Thank you, Ryan. I love you. I'm stronger because of Marvel, who gave me the opportunity to need to do my best, who supported the vision of this film and lifted us up every day. Victoria Alonso, Kevin Feige, Lou Despazito, and the man with the best laugh ever, Nate Moore. Thank you. I am stronger because of an art department crew who led with their hearts and brought their experiences, talent, courage, humility, and hard work to the table. Supervising Art Director Alan Hook and set decorator Jay Hart, thank you. I am stronger today because of this wonderful cast who every day stepped into this world and breathed life into it. Because of Ruth Carter and Rachel Morrison and everything they did behind the camera with me. I am stronger because of a woman, who, because of a woman who supported me every day that I wanted to give up. This is for you, my friend, Carol Trevino. Rest in power. I'm stronger because of my family who supported me through the roughest of times. I give the strength to all of those who come next to keep going, to never give up. And when you think it's impossible, just remember to say this piece of advice I got from a very wise woman. I did my best and my best is good enough. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Man, I knew this convo would be powerful, but Hannah is the first person to truly have me shed some tears. What an amazing conversation. I'm just so
0: touched and we are super blessed to have had her on our podcast. Thank you so much. Like, uh, It was so epic, Ashley. I can't think of any other words.
1: (laughs) Yeah, epic is a good one. I mean, it was just an honor to have you grace the podcast, Hannah. So thank you so much. Thank you. I did want to add a bit of clarification we received uh, regarding scholarship opportunities that Hannah mentioned. The Wright State University Scholarship is the Carol Trevino Film Scholarship, named for Wright State alum and Hannah's best friend, Carol Trevino, who passed away in a car accident in 2007 in Louisiana while working. Working on a film the link is provided in our show description for you guys who want to take a look also the chinchilla film production scholarship for high school students is still in the works it's been delayed due to covid and is expected to launch in conjunction with neon movies and oac sometime in the future we so look forward to continue our chats with insiders across all facets of the film and tv industry to get those gems and inspiration absolutely they have been phenomenal we so appreciate each and every one of you for sticking with us and we will see you guys on thursday for headlines and hot topics be blessed bye